50, 100 years because they're constantly debating about what works or doesn't. So here's my, my, my question. So with string theory, I mean, I read The Elegant Universe a long time ago, and that was back probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, that it was becoming popular. Um, I like the elegance of string as vibration. Like that's the way I conceive of it, right? It's like, it's everything is vibration. Everything is frequency. So I haven't followed, like, I don't know what the debates are currently in academia. I mean, I'm very interested by the, uh, the plasma, like plasma physics, for example, in the electric universe concept. Right. right. I'm familiar with that, which to me, just makes a lot more sense than the big bang even, you know, cause the electric universe basically is saying that there is no big bang. It's just, there's, uh, there's not even inflation in, in terms of the cosmology, right? Like that's an illusion that everything is separate, is getting farther and farther away from each other, which actually makes sense to me. It's like, you know, the big bang is, is a sexual action, right? It's essentially, it's, it's, it's semen and the egg and they, there's a spark right. of life, boom, the, you know, the universe is formed now or, or the computer is booted. That's one conception of it. Or it's just this, this, how do you say, um, there might be some level of, of inflation and contraction. I'm not sure, but overall it's like the notion of the electric universe is more about the idea that there's no beginning and no end. Right. And that, again, that makes more sense to me than trying to understand, well, if this big bang came from this ex extremely charged, you know, mo moment in the universe of, you know, which really is just like compressed energy and, and heat into like this, into, into, I don't even know how small a, a space, you know, exploding. Well, where did that come from? <laughs> right. Well, if like, I could tell you, big bang, the, a collapse, a big bang, a collapse, is that their theory? I mean, it just, to me, yeah, it's possible, I guess. But so is the electric universe theory. You, you, um, and I say this purely complimentary and in a positive way, you would be a very big threat if you got involved in the academic world. <laughs> because in my opinion, you're very, very warm. And I say this in a, in a plethora of ways. Like, for example, a lot of people don't realize that the equation for an RLC circuit, which stands for resistance, inductance, capacitance, is very similar to the equation for the speed of light. It's interesting that any time an electrical engineer uh, or even an electronics engineer, for that matter, even a ceramics engineer tries to get involved in the UFO UAP topic, they immediately get shunned away by physicists or theoretical physicists, almost as if there may be certain elements that are missing that when implemented describes a fluid description of everything, like what you had said. So it's interesting to see that. But um, I, I know we're, we're um, coming close to the end here. Uh, bef before we look at some of the um, some new uh, DOD slides that I'd love to get your perfect. Yeah, um, I did want to ask one last thing, uh, if it's all right, and, and respectfully, if it's something you feel uh, you can speak on. <clears throat> Excuse me. People like, um, of course, yourself, but even people like your father have who have been around for many decades with respects to really pushing the envelope with many documentaries, whether it's the uh, the Putin interviews, which I'm a big, big fan of, in, in which it was unfortunate to see it get nixed from the Crave, uh, you know, hosting platform after the, the whole, you know, Ukraine thing started. How and, and recently, uh, your father was on Lex Friedman talking about, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, a documentary he recently did uh, going to various um, laboratories in, uh, under the Department of Energy in the US. And he seemed to realize that with data to back it, that a lot of what's been called stigma and things that scientifically wouldn't work, in fact, do work. They just have not been scaled up for political reasons. So 
I guess my question is, how does someone like your father, with a, a genuine sincerity, how does he not get, um, for example, uh, attacked, uh, whether in the press or things like this, whether it's even with the JFK files that he, he's, wor he's worked on very extensively? How does he not, for example, get pushback like others do, for example? And, and I say that very respectfully, just curious as to how perhaps that would work in, in a certain regard. Yeah, I mean, he has gotten pushback. You know, the, the thing is that, you know, he was in a position in 91 when he made JFK that he won uh, three Academy Awards at that time. So, I mean, basically he's at the top of, you know, of the Hollywood establishment, you know, not establishment, but let's say like the Hollywood um, pedigree. You know, you can't really get, you know, more acclaim and acknowledgement from your peers at that time uh, or at any time, you know, just in terms of the academy i mean nowadays i don't know if the academy awards have the same value because we've shifted into a place where you know you've got to have uh, 50 percent uh, diversity or something you can't get nominated there's not 50 percent diversity in the film and on the set i mean it's just crazy it's crazy like what they're what, what's going on as far as the manipulation i mean i'm all for diversity i don't think you have to force it i think that's just natural you know it's like it's like you know the debate again you know, about affirmative action it's like these things will naturally occur you don't need to force quotas and stuff it's, it's, you know it becomes becomes tokenism to me it becomes silly you know it's like you actually you lessen the value of it because you're just looking at it like oh this is this is forced as opposed to organic um so as far as uh, uh you know 91 when he made jfk it's like he's coming off of you know academy awards and uh you know huge success with you know box office success with his platoon and one fourth of july and uh, you know some iconic films like Scarface and Wall Street and all you know so it's like he's already been and, and Salvador also you know, he's already he's already been the anti-establishment director like that's what he's known for at the time. The tune you know was was you know, basically you know showing the horrors of Vietnam and you know not Mila not Milai but something similar you know they showed the, some of the atrocities you know uh, Salvador shows the the corruption of the U.S. government's involvement in Latin America the CIA backing death squads down there, you know, and assassinating the archbishop. I mean, you know, this is the kind of stuff that obviously has gone on and he's exposing these things in his films. So when he made JFK, it was an, a leap in the sense of, wow, you know, he's he's showing the Kennedy assassination through the lens of conspiracy theory and not necessarily telling you who, who, who did it, but giving you a, a, a plausible theory as to the why, you know, why Kennedy was killed. They didn't go into all the whys. I think there's, you know, there's the financial components as well that are really important. The U.S. Uh, Kennedy trying to shift us to the Treasury as a, to, to issue currency from the Treasury as opposed to from the Fed. But um, uh, there's, you know, again, there's like a conspiracy theory movie that's mainstream that's being seen by millions of people. You know, you don't just take someone out. You 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 criticize them. You attack them. You know, the media you know, went after him, they, they, they put his first, you know, early drafts of the script, you know, they, they basically tore them apart. You know, people haven't even seen the movie and they're already criticizing the script, you know? So imagine this was a total, you know, campaign that was being run by the mainstream media, you know, probably under, again, was a Mockingbird CIA influence, Council on Foreign Relations. I mean, all these things are, you know, again, they're still part of the same mind. You know, it's not, conspiracies are in the mind level. That's what people oftentimes don't get. They think, Oh, there's no document to prove it. Well, sometimes there's documents. Most of the time it's mine. It's conversation. It's it's a way of, of viewing the world. It's a worldview. And so when your worldview says, you know, we, we the establishment cannot allow people to question 
the government's report on Kennedy's assassination or that more than one person was involved in it, the gov their government elements and, and mafia elements working together, you know, to, to assassinate him. Because if people know that, then that means what else can the government be doing? Who else can it be killing? How, how bad can it really get if, if it can, you know, if government personnel and elements could basically be involved in killing the president of the United States in a coup d'etat, what does that mean about your government, you see? And so that's why it had to never, it had to be repressed to this day, it can never be acknowledged that it's insane to think Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy. The mainstream media will never allow that to, 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 to be, you know, established as truth that he did not kill him, that he did not kill Kennedy or act alone. And so my father was attacked and thereafter called a conspiracy theorist. And so he was allowed to obviously continue making movies and documentaries. But of course it affects, you know, him because you don't know how people, you know, Snowden, for example, his film Snowden, it wasn't distributed by like mainstream studios. It was, you know, done independently. It was released, I think, I can't remember which distribution company ultimately picked it up, but it wasn't like, a major like Warner Brothers deal, you know, and so, you know, a lot of these things are, they're more nuanced, you know, they don't go out there and just like, kill everyone. I mean, that's not how these things are done, unless you're really, unless you're really threatening. And obviously, we've seen that, you know, we've seen a lot of doctors, you know, doctors, you know, what do they call like, holistic, holistic doctors that died, you know, in the last few years, I think a few hundred. Um, and, you know, those are mysterious deaths and those, you know, each one you have to look at, were they curing cancer? Were they doing things that are really challenging to the establishment and viably so? Whereas if you're, you know, if you're in a media position, what they tend to do is they discredit or, you know, they acknowledge and say, well, you know, you're a great director, but, you know, we're going to kind of not push even nuclear right now. You know, it doesn't have distribution. So that's what they would do. You know, it's like, the mainstream media, the mainstream control apparatus can acknowledge and appreciate people and still make it hard for you to get your film out to the public. <laughs> right. And I got I got to say, man, I when I see the way that um, even you're including yourself, the way that you and your father produced your documentaries and all of that, it does have the top of the top quality as if, for example, some big studio were to pick it up and distribute it, you name it. It's not like there's a lack of quality whatsoever, which is why perhaps, forgive me for not maybe doing my homework as much as I, as I should have when I had said, you know, for example, how is it that this quality is so fantastic and it can be distributed everywhere. For example, like the Snowden film. I mean, that was pretty freaking damning for lack of a better term. And even the, um, I, I really do wish that a lot of people had watched a lot more people, albeit there were millions, as I understand it, had watched the Putin interviews because it's not, as, as you and your father say, it's not about justifying. It's about rationalizing and trying to understand every angle. Well, I'll give you a really interesting tid tidbit. I was talking to a military, a guy working with military intelligence here in Florida. And he actually was the one that told me, he goes, you know, the, he told me about adrenochrome, you know, this was, uh, you know, after, you know, became public knowledge in 2020, really, people started talking more about it. And he said, you know, the first time he heard about adrenochrome, he said it was on intercepts for trafficking. He goes, I had never heard of adrenochrome except from traffickers using talking about adrenochrome. And he's like, that's why I know it's real, because they're, they're, they're using it, they're, they're trafficking this stuff. So he then was, we're talking about the Putin interviews, and he says, basically, that's, that's our go-to 
or at least it was at that time, you know, a few years ago, for understanding Putin. It says, because we don't have any, like, we don't have any outreach to, you know, to this government, really. You know, there's no communication. It's, you know, especially since 2016. I mean, well, since 2012, it really shifted. Remember, like, Hillary and company were trying to make yeah. sure Putin didn't win the election in 2012. And from 2012 forward, basically, it was a very clear anti-Putin agenda in the in Washington. But, yeah, military intel guys, like, this is probably the, our, one of our best resources for understanding Putin is this Putin interviews. I, you know, to your point, man, I've watched that that series over and over and over again because it's not, and again, I'm not trying to say that, you know, uh, Putin is not a, uh, for lack of a better term, a, you know, a, a gangster, criminal, you name it. I, I mean, again, I'm not saying in either direction, although one can make a very strong case about, you know, uh, various elements of the United States government as well for that matter, right? So with that said, though, it's like when, when Putin had said to your father, um, he, he would like to see, I'm paraphrasing here, a, a balance, a multi-power balance in the world. That was something personally, again, in that particular context, I fully agree when, when, you know, this idea that why does there have to be one, you know, king sitting on the throne overseeing the rest when in fact, two, three, four superpowers can sort of keep each other in check, if you will, so that it benefits the people, if that makes sense. What we have, what I believe happens with the Ukraine war is a shift to multipolarity basically it was to me I, i've said this you know for months now it's it to me this is the end of new of the one world government new world order uh unipolar state basically that we've been seeing since the fall of the soviets in, in 1991 right and putin look you know we can argue about his you know his you know specific policies uh you know have they assassinated people sure do we assassinate people of course i mean it's like come on like we're not going to sit here and go you know which which state assassinates more people <laughs> i mean like, I, I, russia's got serious problems historically strong you know it's it's an author you know it's had authoritarianism for a thousand years right this is not this is not like putin is an, is an aberration from russian politics he's a continuation of russian politics and i don't think he's alone i think that there's a power structure in russia just like there is power structure here right so you know we can't be be entirely clear as to how things work in russia but he has he has brought russia back from a collapse in the 90s russia was a collapsed economy it had been looted economically it was people were standing in lines for food they yeah. you know it was there was a huge i remember the hiv was decimating the population uh drug abuse in the 90s it was a collapsing population basically if you look at the population growth it was basically stagnant about collapsing it was uh, in a terrible condition yeah Putin basically has been at the helm of a revitalized russia whether people want to acknowledge that or not doesn't matter it's true you look at right. moscow you know, a few years ago when I visited, you know, it's a modern city. It's got, you know, it's got, you know, solid infrastructure. Uh, it was ranked before the war as one of the top cities in the world. Um, a lot of historical people, elements too, right? Well, historically, I mean, St. Petersburg and Moscow obviously are tremendous historical. I'm saying, but they've modernized, right? They're not, right. these are not third world country. It's not a third world country right. anymore. And the ruble since since the, the, the Ukraine war has only strengthened Russia shifted to a gold-backed system, if I'm correct, and, and they're accepting gold now for their oil, which is 
huge shift. I think we're going to see the same thing ultimately coming to America. So basically the only way we're going to be able to stabilize the economy here, our monetary system here is with gold. So Russia basically has made this, 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 this break from the West and people are saying, oh, Russia's collapsing. It's like, that's nonsense. You don't, you know, the, the evidence doesn't show Russia collapsing. The economy seems to be fine. There's a shift now, you know, again, there's the rest of the world that they can deal with. And the rest of the world is not Western Europe and America, right? It's, you name it, it's Africa and Middle East and Asia and South America. And there are many countries that are happy to buy Russian oil and deal with the Russian, with the Russians. So Russia, China, the BRICS, remember this was 2014 time period, roughly the BRICS were established. And it was like, we understood even then we are shifting away from the unipolar petrodollar world, which is all we have. Unfortunately, United States, we do have, look, we have tremendous minds, we have technologies, but we've been uh, exporting dollars because the rest of the world needed them to buy oil. As it seems now, the rest of the world is shifting to no longer need their need dollars to buy oil, to be able to, you know, use gold or UNs or rubles or other things to, to buy oil. It changes the nature of the game. So we're going to see, you know, again, this coming time period, a huge rebalancing of, of the world economy. And hopefully it will be a positive thing for America because we've got to get our, our, cell, our house in order. You know, we've got we've got 300 plus million people and we've got too many people packed into cities like L.A. and New York, you know, and whatever, you know, in a few cities. And you've got decimation in so many of the Rust Belt, you know, cities and and, and our, you know, how do you say, like our, our productive industry. You've got young people who are dying from suicide and depression and, and fentanyl and all the, you know, and oxy and all these different, you know, opioids and other things because they're depressed. They don't know what to do with themselves. You have right. this you know, huge population that doesn't have a trajectory to put their energy into to say, yeah, we're going to, you know, where are the technologies to, you know, to, to basically to build a brighter future, to build new cities where they, you know, where there's been collapse and decay. And not again, again, this is a go back to what we talked about at the beginning, not just, okay, the matrix has to continue itself. And we're just going to pump more money into this facade, but like, no, what is the actual vision for the future look like? How can we have a more holistic relationship with nature, with technology, with ourselves. And the experiential economy is key to all this, right? Because that's what people are buying now. And it's funny because the galactic historian, Andrew Bartzis told me this a few years ago. He's like, in the universe, in the cosmos, experience is wealth, which is true, right? If you could download someone's consciousness, I mean, isn't that right. what we're here for? We're here to have experiences, right? I'm here to like to live, to like see things, to touch things, to experience things, to you know, feel emotions, going back to your thing about, you know, think less and feel more like we're here for feeling. So a lot of the future economics is going to be around exchanging feelings, because that's really what we're going anyway with all these things, you know, whether it's listening to someone's podcast or watching movies, TV shows, uh, you know, uh, buying people, people's Patreons or, you know, you know, whatever it may be, right? It's all about experience. I want that experience. I want that experience. I want to share that experience. So this is the experiential economy, which knows no bounds, because ultimately, what is the limit of experience? There is none, you know, right? We, that's why we've been around for thousands of years. You know, obviously, we, we're here for an experience. And that's why we keep having children, because we want them to have experience of this earth. If we didn't want them to experience this earth, we wouldn't be having kids. So there's right. something there that's very magical, that's very beautiful, that we're all in this for. And I think the, the economy of experience, you cannot discount how much 
you know, this will, this will basically be what carries us in this coming decade. And the metaverse is a part of that, you know, and there's going to be dimensional experiences and all this. So I'm very excited about where we're going. My biggest concern as far as where we're going is just that there is a dark faction that has been terraforming this planet against human life for potentially for a hundred years, but definitely the last few decades, it's gotten insane. The spraying of heavy metals, toxins, right? The, the GMOs, the replacement basically of organic foods with, with inorganic foods, uh, pesticides and herbicides that are getting into our, you know, our, our, our food chains and our water supplies. All this is like, this is what, this is what scares me because yeah. I trust that nature can ultimately rectify it, but it will take time. And how much will this poisoning continue before people wake up and realize this is not what we need for our for our our lived experience of this planet? We don't need a more inorganic experience. But this or inorganic experience of the heavy metals and all that seems to me to be driven by an overall agenda. And I think, you know, people like Alana Freeland talk about it much better than I do. People should read her book, Bioengineered Transhumanism, but it's a transhumanist future. It's basically terraforming the planet for robotics for internet of things for everything to be connected at the nanotech level and basically to infiltrate the human body at the nano the nanotech level in a non-organic manner perhaps and exactly to make us more inorganic to make us more controllable at again at the level of biology psychology um you name it to basically put us into a position where we have to in order to survive because they've so manipulated our environments that we're basically living in tox toxicity and we can't survive without basically being accepting the robotic future, basically accepting their upgrades, their upgrades, whatever it may be, their gene therapies, right? Their mRNA techs, their, um, their chips, whatever it may be to basically say, well, you can no longer survive in this inorganic world because you're organic body. So you have to accept our technology and bring it into your being and bring it into your household. And you can't, you can't survive with all this, you know, 5G toxicity around you. So you have to basically do whatever it may be, you know, take this supplement, take this, uh, you know, this injection. That's what right. I'm going Well, speaking, well, first off, before we get into, um, into the slides, um, I did want to bring up something that had I not watched um, your father's documentary regarding uh, Putin and all of this, going back to this concept of what you were discussing regarding control, there was a particular scene when uh, your father was asking uh, Mr. Putin, basically saying, you know, um, talking about how it seems as though there's this large train-like uh, path of trucks going into Turkey, bringing in, a, it seemed like a bunch of oil, if I'm not mistaken. And essentially, it seemed as almost as if, you know, uh, they were just being these alleged, you know, uh, I believe ISIS elements that were bringing, helping the oil get into Turkey, were just coming right through, through the border, like nothing. And so your father asked Mr. Putin, basically saying, have, could you not say Mr. Erdogan, Mr. President behind the scenes, we have good information that, you know, this is coming across your border into your country and we're very concerned. And then Putin starts laughing, not at your father, but as if to say, you know, um, basically Putin's face, I'm, this is just my interpretation. I could be wrong, but Putin's face sort of said to the, to your father and to the camera and the audience, like, you don't think they know they're, they're the ones letting it in. Like, so this speaks to me about this idea to your point of, of control. There, there seems to be this multiple layers, um, multi-layered, sort of like an onion a state of, I guess you could say, 
artificial awareness where, and I'll give an example where, for example, politicians, whether it's representatives at the local level, all the way to, you know, the presidential level, regardless of party, they say one thing publicly, they say another thing privately, and then in an even more private setting, they say a totally other thing, and it just keeps going, going, and going. With politicians, I don't, I don't know who pulls their strings. You know, there's so many different factions factors right i mean there's like oh there's the obvious like oh you have a corporate sponsorship and donors but really it's i think the influence is largely at the level of um secret societies um yeah intelligence agencies right compromise because all these most of these guys if not all that especially if they're in there for for long periods of time they're compromised it's almost impossible to get in, you know, to get into to power for 30, 40 years. <laughs> yep. Yep. Serious deep state relationships and connections. I, I completely agree. So without further ado, speaking of this, uh, what we were talking about before with vortexes, plasmas and, you know, disperse uh, dispersing of energies. Excuse me. Let me just share my screen here um, specifically to this particular uh, slide right here. Just want to make sure you can see it. Okay, uh, you could see it on your end, or um, yes. Okay, so uh, what we're looking at here uh, essentially is a uh, plasma device that was essentially having to do with something called the Prior or Priore machine. It was an Italian, I believe, an inventor who worked under the government of France in France shortly after World War II. That were that was given essentially a a steady um, financial grant in order to uh, develop uh, various sort of medical apparatuses. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing the story to make it a long story short, but he basically was curing with this uh, with this device uh, cancers of all kinds, not just on mice, but on humans. Now, what's interesting about the human side is that it's been claimed that many people were cured, but there's no um, there's little to no documented proof of it, which has been alleged that the, the CIA stepped in and the French government took the such documents and all that. But it speaks to this idea that he was going to put this on a, a moving car or a, you know moving apparatus with wheels so that he could basically bring it anywhere he wanted to and for lack of a better term uh, relieve extremely tremendously painful medical issues people were having just by shooting and dispersing this plasma for lack of a better term uh, down the street of a neighborhood <laughs> wow okay <laughs> so I mean, do you do you see with respects to various elements, whether publicly or behind the scenes, just in your opinion, whether physically or in a spiritual sense, do you see this type of technology perhaps resurging if it's if real? Oh, why not? I think right. that we have to again, we have to move forward and the decentralization of power is the only way to do it because the centralized authority figures, you know, like the uh JP Morgan's obviously will always suppress the Teslas, but if you descent, if you decentralize power, then there is an opportunity. All right, so we are going to now take a look at one final slide as well that I have not shown publicly before. This is alluding to um, the concept that, for example, the Gulf War syndrome, particularly in the first Gulf War, uh, induced certain what we would call psychotronic frequencies. I don't mean to make leaps and bounds here, but some have hypothesized and you know postulated that perhaps some of this understanding of such frequencies may have had to do with the Tesla, the suppressed Tesla technology patents, not just that, but as well as the uh, potential uh, 
crossing over an application of some of this work into MK Ultra. And now it seemed as though this transitioned over uh, based on the illusion or the the alluding to from this slide an implication that basically this was uh, practiced on a much more uh, on mass level, if you will, uh, outside of United States territory. Um, so wait, so what do you mean by Gulf War syndrome? Because my understanding of Gulf War syndrome is that it came from the anthrax shots. But uh, what do you think is the cause? It seems as though that whether it came from the anthrax shots or otherwise, there was some type of induced experimentation having to do with the manipulation of radio frequencies. Now, oh. I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not claiming to know exactly what, but it seemed as though that there was some type of uh, combination of the shots with a radio frequency. And I want to be very clear. I'm not uh, for the audience. I'm not speaking on COVID just to discern the no, two. Well, but this is not new. I mean, this is not new, the radio frequency stuff. In fact, let me grab this book real quick because sure. and you can keep talking about it because the EMF thing is, uh, how do you say, this has been known for decades since the beginning of the creation of the radio waves and whatnot, that they can be carcinogenic. So go ahead, continue on that if you want. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So it speaks to this idea ultimately that if one could uh, potentially allow for a certain radio frequencies to... Uh, quote unquote, lock in with various other elements of what our ancestors may have called um, alchemical means or other forms of, I guess you could say, various uh, opposing frequencies, or even as Randall Carlson said on Joe Rogan's show, uh, res resonant frequencies in, in, in combination with plasmas, plasmoids, things like this, um, gaseous states, if you will, of various kinds, it can induce a different effect than what normally would be studied in the laboratory, if that makes right. sense. Well, of course, because, you know, we're talking with, we're talking about a human being as an electric being. We're, we're literally, right. we're like, you know, we have electricity coursing through us. We generate electricity, you know, our bodies are running through electricity. And so when you're affecting the electromagnetic fields, you know, that surround us, all around us, right? I mean, this is what's so crazy is that we've seemed to have totally forgotten. This is the book I was going to show you. This is a great book. It's called five, uh, Hidden Dangers 5G, but it's... Uh, it's a military guy. Jerry Flynn wrote it. He was an electronic warfare specialist. And he just documents. I mean, the book is just basically documenting decades of studies and things, you know, the, basically the, the military, uh, you know, uh, basically denying that uh, it's called like non-pulsed. There's some kind of non-pulsed. Um, yep. What's the word for it? Anyway, safe exposure. You know, basically, the, the, the U.S. Navy and military basically set a safe exposure for microwave radiations, right? Microwave is part of this. Uh, I know what you're talking about because they would pulse it. They would pulse it, and then it would sort of ride the frequency like a surfer riding a wave, kind of. Mm -hmm. And then it would affect um, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so so not they call non-ionizing are basically ELFs all the way to uh, infrared and, and the visible light spectrum. But microwaves, as we know, are, are dangerous. I mean, as a kid, I was always told, you know, don't want to like stand around a microwave. Now, I actually, I would suggest getting rid of your microwave entirely um, because it yeah. is pulsing. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and basically, you know, what we're talking about with like cell phones and others are in that same microwave range. And so here we are like going from don't have the cell, you know, the, the, don't put your head near a microwave to having the cell phone at our ears, around us, on our persons, at all times, and you're sitting here going, "Huh, I don't think this is probably healthy." <laughs> but I, it's, it's dialogue. You to know, your point, it's sorry. It speaks to this idea of you know we're told one thing, and then you know a couple decades later we're told to do the opposite of the thing we were told not to do. So Correct. it's like 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 insane because they they count on the fact that people have no memory. That's that's what's always so curious to me. As I said earlier, it's not so much um, that I you know that I feel you know that I'm an intelligent person. I just I tend to have memory and connect dots and see things like you know intuitively as like patterns. And okay, I, I remember stuff that you know I feel like a lot of just people kind of in one ear out the other, right? So I remember like two decades ago when people were talking when it was being covered by the mainstream news that, you know, uh, high fructose corn syrup was carcinogenic. And the only reason that it was being approved and pushed was because the uh, US government was uh, subsidizing the farmers. And the farmers in America, you know, are not the farmers, really, it's not farmers, it's big agriculture. That's where people have to miss if to remember, this is not like your, you know, local farmer is doing this, you know, all this GMO crops there. It's the big agriculture industry that's, that's doing all this GMO stuff. And so they're mass producing corn. And the U.S. government is subsidizing them to basically mass produce corn. And what do they do with this corn? Like, it's not like we just eat, we don't eat that much corn. It's no, they have to put it into something like high fructose corn syrup or canola oil, and all this other crap, <laughs> all made right. from corns, all terrible for your body. And yet, you know, fed to children, even though two decades ago, I remember being told like, hmm, it's not good for you. But here we are still feeding it to the kids. I, man, I, I couldn't agree more. And with that said, I think that's probably the best way to, to sort of wrap this up and and, uh, and and call it a day on this. But before you do go, if you would like to let uh, my audience know where and how you could be found, whether it's a you know, website, uh, I know you have a, you had a docu-series recently, your Patreon, you name it, please. Yeah, absolutely. So the best places for me is always seanstone.info, my website. It's easy to use. You can subscribe there to my newsletter. You can you know, get links to Patreon, to my docu-series, Best Kept Secret, to all my documentaries, Hollywood DC, Metahuman, Singularity, my short film. Uh, just, you know, I've done a bunch of documentaries, shorts and, uh, and features. So they're all linked there. And uh, that's the best place to reach me and connect with me. Awesome. Well, brother, thank you so very kindly from the bottom of my heart and from on behalf of as well, my members and my audience as well uh, for coming on again. It was uh, the first time around was extremely well received and truly I can't thank you enough for your time, but also uh, mainly for your perspectives on, on how you view things. I'm actually of a the very humble opinion that everything you've been discussing and the perspectives you've taken um, have been far more sophisticated and advanced than the vast majority of, dare I say, people in many people in academia not not all but many with respects to you literally saying why why can't something you know outside of the box be implemented into the system or even create its own system right i mean that's the, and that to me that's like that's where we have to take things you know if we actually you know we have to make this we have to work on making discoveries here we can't just keep repeating the old you know it's like you know einstein wasn't just sitting there going well let's just you know let's just uh you know repeat what's been taught before it's like no let's let's actually like look towards making valid discoveries about reality let's look at reality and we can't ignore things and that was honestly where Einstein's limitation was when it came to quantum physics it was like he couldn't fathom how this could work in god's universe well you may not understand how it works but if it's there let's look at it let's have the courage to say this is, may seem like an anomaly but the anomaly can oftentimes give us the greatest clues into how reality actually works couldn't have said it better myself, man. The, the, the speaking to the idea of the joy is in the journey. You know, movement is life. Like to your point of experiencing things, because once you experience one thing and that's over, uh, not necessarily in a malevolent way, but a lot of people go, okay, what's next? And, and rightfully so. So, um, yeah, well, without further ado, thank you so very much again, man. And to uh, my audience on my end, uh, we'll catch you all very, very soon. Thank you so much, everybody.